The living the dream really is about the best of life. The best of life, to think that if I could get to that place to live the best of life. And the best of life is Jesus. He's the best that God had to offer, the only begotten Son. Fully God, fully man. He offered his best for you and for me. And through the best of him, his, the Christ Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. So the best of life. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus, then the truth of what Scripture says, and the truth is that his spirit has come upon you, just like in Acts, the Holy Spirit came upon, and they couldn't help it but to speak out the wonderful works of God. And so every time you get that opportunity, the Holy Spirit is working through you to speak out the very best, to live out the very best of life, living the dream. Living the dream. So, um, so in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, um, Peter begins to explain by quoting scripture that, no, no, this was supposed to happen. So if you open up your scriptures in, in Acts chapter 2, um, he says in verse 17, and he quotes out of Joel, and he said, it came to pass in the last days that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And you remember that in the Old Testament times, he would have his spirit come upon certain chosen ones to lead Israel. And, and now he's saying it on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on men servants and on maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. So ever since Pentecost happened, ever since the Holy Spirit came, God's people who have believed, they've had the privilege to speak the truth and live the truth of who God is. It always comes back to God's love through Jesus, that Jesus made the way. It's all about Jesus. All our songs this morning, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus loves me. God's plan for his love to be poured out on his creation. He has the very best for you and for me. The interesting thing is that he has a very precise way that we can uh, experience that truth. And you remember in Matthew, he says, uh, the path or the gate is wide, and the path is wide, the gate is wide that leads to destruction. But the gate is narrow, and the, and the trail is hard that leads to life. And so... It's only through Jesus. And even Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So a very narrow way, but he offers life and life abundant. So for you and for me, if you know that God has loved you, you're living in that reality. And, and the more that you focus on how much he loves you, the more that you sense and know uh, his presence, and you get to overcome so many things because of that great love. So he goes on to say that in, in the end times, this will be happening also. So he says in 19, I will show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoke and vapor of smoke. So we are in Acts chapter 2, verse 20. The sun shall turn into darkness, the moon into blood before the 
coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. This awesome is a fearful time because the Lord comes in his power, not just as the caring shepherd, he comes with power. And it says then in verse 21, it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So now here's where Peter begins to insert Jesus. So he quotes the scripture about the spirit coming. And then he begins to say it's through Jesus. And where he goes then, he begins talking about this Jesus. He's the one that was prophesied would come. This Jesus. So he begins, um, what do you call it? Uh, Emphasizing. Jesus, it's, it's through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So in verse 22. So what we're going to see then that came to me as I was praying through the scripture is that in verse 23, he talks about the proof of his love. And for you and for me, the proof when somebody loves us are the things that they do and say. So uh, look at this. Um, In verse 22, here Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. And then he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourself have known. So, he says, the miracles, you've seen it. He's proving, he has proven his love for you. He has proven who he is by these wonderful things that he has done. Now, in Acts chapter 10, Peter does a real cool thing. So keep your finger there, but go to Acts chapter uh, 10. And he describes Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, this way. And I love it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So he again is is proclaiming Jesus in Acts chapter 10. And Peter, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This Jesus... So the miracles that they had seen um, was proof of God's love. Um, There's portions of scripture where it says that everybody that came to Jesus was healed. You imagine that? You imagine Jesus walking into the hospital and everybody getting up out of bed and walking and shut that business down, huh? (laughs) Everybody was getting healed. Everybody was experiencing God's love where he was recreating And he was helping them to know his love. And I couldn't help but to think, for you and for me, there's miracles that have been done, or you could call them answers to prayer that have been done, that God specifically made sure that you knew that he was loving you. You turn around and look at that journey you've been on, and I think most of you could stand up and you could start naming the ways that God has shown his love for you. First of all, by saving you out of darkness into his marvelous light, saving you. But just thinking about those things that 
in your life that God has proven his love for you. You know, if we don't go back there and remember those things and thank him, um, somehow we kind of forget and we're just going, where's God? What's happening? You know, we start going, woe is me. So I was thinking back even on my own life uh, about some of these miracles that happen. And I was going to ask Nicole if I could share, but I'll just, just briefly. Nicole sitting here, my oldest daughter, she's a miracle sitting right here. She was involved in a motorcycle wreck over 17 years ago. Should have, should have killed her and Brady, her, her boyfriend at the time, who now she's married to. And um, the doctor said, she won't walk again. She won't play piano again. What? I don't think God was done. So, um, yeah. So every time Nicole look at her oldest daughter, we say, there's a miracle right in front of us. You know there's miracles in your life when you look at people around you and you go, yep, yep. It's one of our biggest miracles. Wow. She had seven strokes during this whole thing and her, her hips, her hip was broken and they strapped her together. The doctor said, she'll never have children. We've got three beautiful grandchildren. It's like, you know, there's a miracle that we're always going to remember. And especially when we look at her, we'll go, there's our miracle. Thank God. And you have those too. There's things in your life. Um, Natalie and I, uh, just backing up, our marriage is a miracle because after two years of marriage, we were ready to split up. And then one night we said, why don't we go to this Bible study and see what they have to offer for our marriage? And we got saved that night. He saved our marriage and he saved our lives. It's like, there is a miracle right there. Wow. So looking back on that, another miracle that happened is that we, we befriended an older gentleman and he came to know the Lord. He died and we didn't know it, but he gave us his house and his car. And it enabled me and Natalie to go into ministry so that we didn't have to worry about paying for a home. And so we're going, there's another miracle right there. There, God was showing us, he was saying to me and Natalie, I love you and I want to take care of you and I don't want you to ever forget that I loved you. I saved your life and I have something good for you every single day. I believe for each one of you who believed in the Lord Jesus, he's talking to you every day saying, I love you. Don't forget what I've done for you. And I've got more to come. And our response is to love him back, isn't it? Our response is to love him back. So those miracles, living the dream. Uh, Me standing in front of you right now, 20 years ago, a pastor, are you kidding? And God said, no. So I have to just tell you this one more miracle. I'm, Natalie and I came to know the Lord. She was serving in CEF and I was helping out here at Evergreen and, and it was just great I'm working and serving the Lord um, and that was a way of life. And I'm, I'm driving down to a Carver. I've got my uh, service van and I was doing refrigeration at the time and driving down to a Carver. And as I do, kind of like you, have the music going, just praising the Lord. And I sense this voice say to me and I I know it's God now. He said, Steve, I want you to come in full-time ministry. And I said to myself, I said, is that just you thinking that or is that you? And so I prayed and I said to God, I said, if this is you, I love my job so much 
if this is you, um, take my job away. Two weeks, the company sold and I was out of work. And I said, well, you didn't have to. There's, there's 200 people that... So then he began to lead me. The next, the next miracle that happened was we didn't, I was still rubbing two nickels together and now I'm trying to figure out what to do with work and how to take care of four kids and wife and trying to figure out what to do and how to get trained. We didn't have money to go to school. And so I said, Lord, again, if you want me to, then you have to train me. You have to show me how this is going to work. And so Pastor Steve at the time. We were just going out the door and I had a resume set up and I was thinking of going to Eastern Washington and that kind of thing. And he came to me at the door and he said, hey, uh, Steve, would you consider coming on staff here? And I'll train you and I'll ordain you and get you all set. And I just went, do you want me? I mean, okay, Lord. So I, I stepped through that. In your life, there's these things that he's showing you because he has a special journey for you. And he keeps wanting to tell you that he loves you and that he's guiding you. And what he wants from you and from me is to be open for his spirit to use, to, to bless those around you. Now, it seems to me, uh, before I go on just a little housekeeping thing, that it's getting a little warm in here. Is anybody else a little warm? So maybe we could open a couple of vents. Those are open. I know there's some fans back there. Our AC, we didn't think to use our AC today, but um, anyways, if you want to, there's a fan back there if you want to. Yeah. So um, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, we talked about the miracles and wonders, and he says, you've seen these things. The things in your life are to propel you closer and closer to God. And he has more for you and me because he loves you. And he gives good gifts to his children. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus, you become his child. And he wants to give you good gifts. And the question is, for you and for me, how do we position ourselves to receive those gifts? Well, it's by obedience. It's about following him and ready to receive those good gifts that he has for us. And he says to even ask, (laughs) even ask. So this church, God has told me my job is to make sure this church becomes more and more a house of prayer. And you know what a house of prayer does? It thanks God and then he asks and we ask and that's what we do. That's just who we are. We're becoming... So... Peter is explaining to them by miracles and wonders and signs which God did in your midst. You yourselves know. So you know that God has been leading you and blessing you and he's got more for you. Then he says, so the proof is love. Then he talks about the pain of his love that God had planned this right here. So verse 23, he says, you know him being delivered by determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death so we go from this amazing love to this even more amazing love and not just giving us candy and treats and 
helping us in our life, but this more amazing demonstration of God's love is that he would send Jesus Christ, his son, his only son to the cross to prove the depth of his love for you and for me. And when we, when we position ourselves to think on that and know that, then our decision-making changes because we want to love God back. Knowing that kind of demonstration, God's love, his forgiveness. And Isaiah 53 says that we all like sheep have gone astray and we've each wanted our own way. But God has put our sin and iniquity on him. And that like a lamb led to the slaughter, he didn't open his mouth. That God himself took our sin, our rebellion against our creator God to live our own way. He took that sin on him so that we could be forgiven. So God has offered forgiveness and freedom for life. So this thought then came to me this week about sin because it would be nice if when God saved me, I didn't have to worry about sin anymore and then I could just, you know, I could just live the dream. (laughs) Live the dream without sin, selfishness. But he gave us training Just like the Son of Man was tempted, there's this faith move that he wants us to trust him and follow him even when life gets tough, even when you want to turn back to your old ways. And so as I was stepping through this, I was thinking, um, the enemy and our old nature um, has a technique that even as a believer, and that is to distract us from God's love and his plan for you and for me. Distract us. And in Hebrews chapter 12, talks about the, the sin that so easily entangles us. So easily entangles us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. So you're in Acts, so turn back to your, uh, towards the back of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. This, um, he said, well, we're going to have trials, but he talks about this kind of this kind of faith. In chapter eleven, he's talking about these people that lived in faith, believing no matter what they were following after the Lord. But in Hebrews chapter twelve, New Testament chapter twelve, it says, therefore, also since we have are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight of sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising this shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I was thinking about these sins that so easily entangles us. So you and me as believers, the enemy, you have a target on you, a big target. And his whole plan is to distract you from loving God, serving God, and doing that purpose. To distract you from being filled with the Holy Spirit. To distract you. And so I was thinking about those sins that so easily entangles us. And one of the things that came to mind for me are these, we have these privileges in, in the land of the free and the land of the brave. We have these privileges 
of entertainment. We have these privileges to enjoy life. And, and one of the things that I was thinking of is there's some of these sins that may not be a big deal, but if we're not focused on the Lord, so we say maybe it's no big deal. You know, this, you know, this, this, little, this little sin that I have, that's no big deal. It's no big deal. But whatever distracts us from following the Lord with all of our heart is a big deal. But, but it, I thought about there's these little things that just kind of trip us up. And, and we've lived with them for years. And I'm thinking that I have forfeited so much of God's spirit using me because I have a little sin that I'm saying, God, it's no big deal that I watch this. Or it's no big deal that I'm not really reading my Bible. It's no big deal. You love me. I know you love me. So it's no big deal. These, these little, little sins. I'm not an axe murderer. I'm, you know, I go to church and I, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That I think that Satan's plan is for us to get comfortable and, and say, it's no big deal. These, these little things are no big deal. And so in your mind right now, maybe the Holy Spirit's making, having you think about these things that are, you are saying they're no big deal. But I think that they, that little sin turns into a week, it turns into a month, it turns into years of being distracted from God's best for you and for me as believers. All of a sudden, a couple of years went by and you're, you just are comfortable with that little sin instead of the fullness that God has for you and for me. Is that amazing? And so today's the day that you can say, no more. No? No, what is it? Is it a, what is it that you just live for? Is it that TV program or that sporting event or is it that drink or that, you know, I just need this little bit and I'll just be fine. The fullness that God has for you and for me, the distraction, the distraction was the enemy throws at us. So with that, that's why we do the communion service like we did last, year, last week. And that's why we, we come to church and we get with other believers is that we need, to, we need help in focusing on God and his, his love for you and for me so that we're not distracted by the world's stuff. I was talking with the gal the other day and, and we were talking about how sometimes we just, we love our stuff so much that um, when that stuff falls apart, whether it's, uh, whether it's a material thing or a relationship, when, when that falls apart, ah, we get all shaken up. But she was saying that if we truly have all of our love in God and our relationship with him, when stuff happens, we're not shaken. <laughs> because... God will never break down. His love is unending. 
Am, am I going in and out? It sounds like my mic is going in and out. Okay. All right. So this living the dream really is um, really a focused life and participating with his plan, his filling of his spirit in you and me. And, and it's that confessing that sin and repenting of our sin so that the spirit has free reign. He is the Holy Spirit. And so as the Lord cleans us up for service to be used by him. So this pain of his love, he wanted to sh- us to see the depth of his love for you and for me by the Holy One, by the Holy One dying on the cross, that there are people in your lives that have sacrificed for you, and that's a glimpse of love for you that God wanted to show you. Now, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's a friend, but they've sacrificed something to say, no, I'm going to, you go first. They've sacrificed it, and a glimpse for you and for me to go, That reminds me of God's great love for me. That sacrificial love is the most beautiful there ever could be. So, in Acts chapter 2, as Peter is giving his uh, speech, he talks about the proof of God's love through the miracles and the pain of God's love through the sacrifice. And then he starts talking about the power of God's love In verse 24, he begins talking about the resurrection. There's not a more powerful thing in the world than the resurrection coming back to life, than the resurrection coming back to life. So he begins, in verse 24, he says, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And then he goes into scripture again, talking about David. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoices and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, for you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption." You have made known to me the path of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. The power of his love is the resurrection, that we can have life forever with him. The power is there. And as I thought about the resurrection, Tony, this is cutting out or something's cutting out. Can, is this one on then? Okay. Um, so as I thought about this, The resurrection really is two parts. The first part reminds me of his relationship, that there's this forever relationship with the one that created all things, and he made it possible through Jesus. This this love relationship that he went the distance to know uh, his love for you and for me, that there's no doubt about it. So he's quoting out of um, Psalm 16, And the end of that, he says in verse 28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. So this this amazing love relationship, this amazing relationship with God that he wants you and I to know his great love for you and for me. Years ago, our church used to say, uh, used to quote this 
verse, and I'm going to see how many of you might come along with me on this. But it's another one of those displays of God's amazing love. So whenever we had uh, birthdays, um, we'd quote this verse. And it's number 6, 24 through 26. And it says, for, no, it starts out, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs> That's right. Numbers 24, 25, and 26. So this is our birthday Sunday, but just that verse right there just once again says God's love forever. The resurrection means you can have God's relationship forever. He loves you. He keeps you. His, his grace shines upon you. He's... Um, He's, he's, what's the next one? The grace shines upon you and he lifts up his countenance upon you and he gives you peace. This, this is God saying, I love you. Would you get that through your thick skull? <laughs> yes, that I love you. And I don't know about, maybe some of you like me grew up with that uh, Eeyore syndrome where nobody loves me, I'm going to go eat worms. And <laughs> That's a lie. Amen. Because when God loves you. Everything is possible. He's given you the power to overcome the stuff in this world. And if we don't anchor on that love, we're going to miss what he has for us, for you and for me. So here's Peter explaining that this is what you're seeing. The Holy Spirit has come down, and it's through Jesus, 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 this this love forever. Uh, Turn to Acts chapter 8. One of the beautiful chapters in the Bible explaining this amazing gift that God has given, this relationship. So Acts chapter, no, sorry, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 11, one of the verses. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That kind of truth. Here's another one, verse 28, same chapter. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, the called according to his purpose. God's purpose, his Holy Spirit through you, his purpose lived out through you. And then verse 38 and 39. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor present things or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. So we got that down, that God's love, the power of his love, the power of his love. So back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 
He's talked about the proof of his love through his miracles. He's talked about the pain of his love through the cross. He's talked about the power of his love and his resurrection. And he keeps talking about that. He keeps driving it home that this is the one Jesus. This is the one. So verse 29, Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Man and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not to be left in the grave or Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which you are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. <laughs> what were they seeing and hearing? Well, this mighty wind came down and they saw, looked like tongues of fire that resembled the fire, the pillar of fire in the Old Testament when the presence of the Holy Spirit in the cloud. They, they heard this and then they began to speak the wonderful works of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't stop him from speaking and displaying and living out the wonderful works of God, his saving grace for all people. The most powerful thing you can do is share that truth right there. And he said, the spirit is poured out. You see it, you hear it. So he goes on to say in verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel now, now know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now something happens right here. That there's a response according to the facts, according to the movement of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens to those that are exposed to the Holy Spirit. This is the purpose of God's love right here, right now. And that's a, a re response, reaction. In 37, in my words, they say, oops, oops. That's such a cool word, oops. Did I mess up? Oops, right here. Look at verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This truth being poured out, what shall we do? Then Peter, he responds in this way. This is the access, this is the portal to life forever. This is the entrance into the kingdom of God forever, forever and ever. True love. This is the entrance right here. And they're saying, what shall we do? He says, repent. Repent is change your mind. Change your life focus. That Jesus is now Lord of your life. This is what this means. Repent. 
repent of the old way of living life, depending on those little sins, all those TV shows that you put so much into or all that stuff, whatever that is that you can't wait to get home and watch, all that stuff. He says, no, repent of that way of living. I've called you to a higher level to experience joy that God has to offer for those who seek him with all of their heart. So I'm naming some of those things because for us, many of us, we've been tripped up by these other things that we feel is so important and we're forfeiting this greater plan. And years go by and all of a sudden you find you're 50 years old and you go, where did all the time go? I was busy watching football games or I was, you know what I mean? I'm just saying that there's stuff in my life that I've missed out because I've I felt those things were so, they made me happy doing those things. And I'm not saying those things aren't bad. I'm just saying, how do we get excited about the Lord like we get excited about a football game? How do we do that? How do we, how do we get excited about the Lord when there's stuff that has just made us happy? Stuff. There's, there's something, there's a, there, when you are filled with the Spirit, There's joy that goes way beyond that program. But it requires you and I to be fully engaged with him, to be full of his Holy Spirit. And there is a joy that is way up here, way up here. When you get this, when you get addicted to that kind of joy, this other stuff is just going to fail. It's just going to fail. But I'm confessing to you that there's just been this stuff that I've been carrying along thinking, it's okay. And it wasn't bad, but it was a distraction from what he really has for me. So how do we get really excited about the Lord? It's his Holy Spirit in us. That's, that's the key. It's not trying harder. It's being filled with his Spirit. And you're going to experience things way beyond you could ever imagine. Let go of that pride. Let go of that stuff. So the entrance then, he says, is repent and let everyone be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those three things right there. So if you're here today and you really haven't done this, You really haven't experienced this right here. Repent of anything that gets in the way of God in your life. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. That's a a baptism by water is a public demonstration of now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. That's a public demo. You're going public with this, I repent of my old ways, and now I'm going to live for Jesus, and I want the world to know. That's why baptism. It's, I'm, I'm flushing that old stuff, and Lord, he says, then you receive the forgiveness of sin, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. So, if you're here today and you haven't gone through these three things, you haven't repented of your sin, and you haven't uh, been baptized 
for the forgiveness of your sin and that baptism in the name of Jesus, if you haven't, if you've been ashamed of Jesus' name and you haven't been bold with Jesus, that's what he's saying, going public with Jesus. If you haven't done that before, maybe today's the day. And he says, you'll be receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift. So if you haven't done that, maybe you're doing that right now. And if you have done that, the most amazing thing that God is doing with you is that you're becoming a, bu- uh, a bridge builder, helping people to find their way to God. 